Whoa, who turned the heat up in here? Guys, man, can you believe how hot it is? It's like 90 freaking degrees outside. Welcome to the official start of summer. This podcast is sponsored by Family, Adventure, Fun, and Life. Would you like more of it? Continue to listen to this episode. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Military Veteran Dad, and it's number episode 125. Today's episode is with Jason Wood. He is a guy that had to reboot his life from the ground up, and he pretty much went all the way in and became a Forrest Gump, and just when he started running, he never really stopped. He rebooted his life from a single dad, broken relationship, and had to really figure out what was inside of him. And the journey in the mirror is something we've been talking about a lot over the last two and a half years of this podcast, this episode, it paints why it's so important to go on that journey because there is so much at stake when you don't realize what you're leaving on the table when you don't look in the mirror and ask those hard questions. So without further ado, I'm just going to get right started with this episode because it's that good. If you want to hear about my big takeaway in the episode, hang on for the other side. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good times. I really enjoy doing this kind of stuff, so I really appreciate it. Well, let's start off right out the bat. You and our friendship is just getting started because I saw you on Instagram and you posted a story about running. So tell us, a little, before we go to your running story, tell us a bit about your military background and what your family life looks like right now. Yep. So uh, I'm a seven-year Army combat veteran. I got in back in uh, 2004. I was an ROTC grad. Uh, so 9-11 happened. I think it was my sophomore or junior year of college. And uh, so when I when I graduated college, I graduated in May of 04 and in October of 04, I was already in Iraq for my first deployment. And uh, I did three tours to Iraq. I did uh, three back to back one year tours. So 04 to 05, 06 to 07 and 08 to 09. <laughs> and then I uh, uh, served as an uh, officer, uh, kind of had um, company command and, and all the, the good the good uh, leadership positions that, that you want to kind of have. And and during my military time, got out uh, in 2011 after being an aide to a, a two-star general. Um, so that was that was a very interesting but but a, a really rewarding experience. And uh, then became a, a DoD contractor. Uh, so started doing that once I got out, and I've been doing that ever since. Uh, so, uh, but as far as just kind of what life looks like for me now, it's primarily just uh, doing the DoD contracting thing. I'm a program manager, project manager. Uh, working in IT pro- program management, so do a lot of the information technology projects for for the Navy right now. Um, and then uh, family life, I, it's me and my daughter. Uh, I am a single dad, but we I do co-parent with her mother, um, and I think we do a pretty good job of it. <laughs> I'd like to say that. Uh, so um, so we have that for about half the time. Um, so uh, really enjoy my my time with her, and then. Um, other than that, you can find me probably out on the trails or out on the road running around or, or in the gym. Uh, that's pretty much my life. <laughs> awesome. What year did you become a dad? 
2014. Yep. She's uh she's six now. She'll be seven in in this coming September. So that was on the other side of the military, if I understand your timeline correct? Yep, that was on the other side of the military. Yeah, I, I think uh my relationship with her mother started as soon as I got out of the military and then uh then, then had her a couple years later. So take us to that moment you found out you're gonna be a dad. Was that something that was a, like a scary thought, or is that one of those like exciting thoughts because you'd want to be a dad for almost all your life. Like everybody has a different kind of becoming a dad story. Yeah. I I think, uh, for me at first, it was kind of scary to be honest. I think, uh, uh, during that time, I think I had gotten out of the military just a few years prior and, and, and I'll say just be very blunt. My emotional IQ is probably very low at the time. And, uh, and so, you know, I kind of had recognized that about me and, and understood that I probably wasn't the most uh, loving, caring, gentle type person in the world. And, uh, and so it definitely was kind of scary. And, and her mother is a daycare provider and she works around kids all the time. So she was very well prepared uh, uh, for, for having a child. But as far as I, I went, uh, you know, it was, it was scary and I I didn't really uh, know what the path ahead of me was going to look like. And, and, and that was, uh, and I'm a very much a planner and, and like to have things kind of in, a, in an orderly fashion. And that, that uh, I guess, uh, inability to really understand what was going to be ahead of me was, was definitely scary. I can imagine that. And even just going to Iraq those three times and, I mean, being a planner in those modes, I mean, like you're trying to engineer survival and you want the same feeling that you're going to becoming a dad, but there is no way and no certainty for that feeling while you're waiting for her to come into this world. And then when she comes into this world, then you realize there is no manual. There is no certainty. (laughs) There's only your best every day and picking yourself up when you don't. You mentioned a word that I want to go back to EQ. Was that a word in your vocabulary? Like, did you know that you didn't have a high EQ or was it something that was like a moment that someone like, you know, you really need to juice it up a little bit because there's more to life than just being this uh, program planner. Yeah. I, and, and honestly, the kick in the butt was uh, honestly when uh, my daughter was probably a year and a half or two years old. And when, when me and uh, her mother split um, and that was my uh, kind of, you know, come to Jesus, look in the mirror moment for myself. Um, after we split, I kind of uh, had kind of a decline emotionally and, uh, and physically. I, I, I gained probably 50 pounds, probably about 40 or 50 pounds overweight. Uh, I, you know, I was kind of a mess, um, uh, just mentally and, and, and physically. And, uh, and so it took a couple months and then kind of had, uh, that wake up moment. Uh, you know, when my daughter's sitting on the floor, she wants to play and, and daddy's just, you know, a mess. Uh, and, and so I remember going up and looking at myself in the mirror and just being like, you have to do better. I, I, I you have to figure this out and you have to, pick yourself up and, and, and move forward. And, uh, and from that point on, I remember finding a uh, Spartan race uh, near me, which was kind of my introduction back into, you know, getting physically fit and being in shape again. And then uh, really just started having conversations uh, with people and, and, and started having, uh, uh, you know, seeing a therapist and, and, and talking it out and doing those kind of things that, that, uh, that helped me through and helped me recognize, um, you know, that I didn't have it all figured out and that I needed to, to, to not only work on the physical, but also needed to work on the mental. 
So how old was your daughter in that moment? Because there's going to be some irony here that I recognize in my own story. So I wanted to know how old she was. Yeah, she was about two. Yeah. So um, in my story, I was turning 30. And I remember going into my daughter's bedroom one night and looking in her in the eyes while she was sleeping. And I was like, how can I lead you into your life if I can't lead myself through mine? Exactly. And it was a really crappy question. It doesn't have any good answers. It's kind of a rock bottom type question. And the crazier part is you talked about having conversations, which is something so level 1.0 that we almost overlook it as something that can actually change us. And for my story, someone came into my life and gave me the question, if you want a result in your life you never had, you need to do something you've never done. And for me, that was friends. And I was like, why don't I have friends? And I was like, well, every person you talk to is a high school girl that said no, and you've avoided that feeling since high school. So you just don't re-experience it. And I was like, well, that's a stupid reason. And so I started like, okay, let's do this. And then it was dads at the park that I always wanted to talk to them, but I was always too afraid. Like, they just probably want to play with their kids. They probably had a long day like I did. And then one day I just said to hell with it and said hello. And then turns out we were both just playing chicken. And then I just started learning that conversations like, wow, if you can actually exercise something that's inside your head and you can get clarity on it and they can reflect back things that you don't actually know about yourself. And it's like, wow, what a crazy, like, it's it's interesting how we both have that same like Genesis moment where we realize how to lead ourselves. But at the same time, like it's, it's a hard moment you have to get to and realize that like you can't lead your family if you don't know how to lead yourself. And and even the way you said the mirror, like I, I really, I classify my journey as the mirror, like looking in the mirror and like, what words do you describe? And it was weak, pathetic. And until you change those words, nothing changes. And exactly. nobody else affects those words. Like you are saying those words to yourself. It's not your relationship. It's not your coworkers. It's not your boss. You're doing that. And that's where the real change begins to happen. Yeah. And I, it, it was one of those moments too, where uh, I think, you know, my, I remember speaking with my ex, she was like, what, you know, what can, you know, how it was a couple of years later after that. And she said, why couldn't I have made you as happy as you are now during our relationship? And, and really the, 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 the blunt answer to that was I, anybody, you could have done anything and it would not have made me happy because I couldn't make myself happy. The relationship with myself was just so bad at that point and damage that that I I until I could make myself happy and start identifying with who I was and using those you know words and pronouns uh that, that to describe yourself and adjectives to describe yourself as as, as the person you want to be you know you're you, you you can't lean on other people to try to do that and be the band-aid for you uh, and so that's kind of where I was at I was I was you know you know, sulking and, and, and kind of just damaged myself. And it, it, it could have, you know, nobody could, could have done anything at that point in my life to, to kind of raise me up. And I knew I had to do it myself. And it's difficult to give something that you don't have for yourself in like in a relationship. And I've, when I was looking in that mirror in that, uh, that relationship and changing those words, there was something that hit me that you can't unconditionally love others until you unconditionally love yourself. But you actually have to love not just the good parts, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like you've got to find the love for three combat tours in Iraq. You've got to find the love for 11 years in the army. You've got to find the love for having your relationship and with your biological daughter's mom. And like, you have to find the appreciation in that to really recognize that this all is who I had to become. And I had to go through all of that to get there. Like it's a, 
it's it sounds short like we just talked about it in five minutes but that's like yeah. four years of my life yeah exactly exactly it, it's it's not overnight and that's something that i try to describe to people is uh that that transformation doesn't happen you know over a week time frame it takes a lot of work uh and it's 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 still to this point it's every day uh how you know how can i better myself and what can i do to help uh, be a better man and a father to my, my daughter. So it's, it's an everyday thing. It's, it never stops. And to take that journey in the mirror one step further this fall, I'm speaking at a keynote for stay at home dad con. So a bunch of, it's a big convention, 200 dads that are stay at home dads. And you can imagine already like the rewire from purpose driven from work to purpose driven as a, as a provider in your home. Like it takes a lot of rewiring and there's a lot of dads that can get lost in that same journey. And those aren't even veterans, but like so many more men need that message of starting in the mirror. Like it's not just a veteran thing. It just kind of gets magnified because we got a lot more stuff to get through. Yeah. Sometimes we can hit bottom faster because we're holding on to a lot more and the dam breaks a lot quicker. But man, it's a, it's, it's such a big journey when you look in the mirror and be like, what words do you see? Cause that's what, that's the problem. Not anything else. Yep. You're exactly right. Yep. <laughs> so you do a lot of good things with running and that is something you use almost as like a form of physical therapy on yourself. Tell us a little bit more about how running came into your life and what it does for you now. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I it, you know, it was right after me and my, uh, my exit separated and, and, um, a couple of, you know, I, I gained probably 40 or 50 pounds and I was just in bad shape. And uh, I can remember uh, seeing a Spartan race on on a Groupon deal, and it was here in Virginia, about three hours away. And I said, you know what? Let's 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 give you know let's give that a shot. And, and so I bought the Groupon deal and uh, and decided to, to right around the same time uh, get a membership to the local gym here, uh, One Life Fitness. And at least I remember you were dumb enough to try to think you could do a Spartan without actually training for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember. And I come from, I mean, I, you know, the military background, obviously physically fit, uh, you know, physical fitness is a big thing. Um, and then I was also a collegiate athlete. I played football in college. And, and, and so I, 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 you know, I had that background and I wanted to kind of get back to that and be, be somewhat competitive again and, and have something to train for, not just, you know, go to the gym every day and do curls for the girls kind of thing. So, uh, so I, I, you know, I, I remember getting on the treadmill there at One Life, you know, probably about a month or so before that, that first Spartan race that I did. And I probably did a mile in like 15 minutes or something. It was, it, I, it, I struggled. Uh, and so then I just kept, kept at it, did that first Spartan race and, uh, and Spartan races, the, the, the finish line is kind of a fire. It's, it's a fire jump. You jump over this, uh, you know, they got wood out and they have a, a fire kind of pit that you jump over uh, to finish the race. And I remember jumping that, crossing the finish line, and then feeling like I was going to die. Like it, it had been one of the toughest things like I you had spent done. Everything you had on the inside, just like what your the people in the military told you when you were running, like you got to cross that finish line with nothing left to give. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, you're not you know, puking. I, you didn't do it not enough. Yeah, I remember laying there on the ground uh, over in the the festival area after the race and just being kind of completely spent at that point, I, I it had been one of the tougher things I've done in my life. I mean, uh, race wise. Um, and, uh, and, and I, but I just remember falling in love with it at the same time, like that feeling like that I just exhausted myself and, and, and had really pushed myself to the limit. 
uh, for where I was at that point, not only just physically, but mentally as well. I mean, you go through that race and there's all, there's times where like, I was like, why am I doing this? Why are we, you know, let's, let's just hang it up. Let's just walk the rest of the way or something like that. Or, you know, so, so I, I kind of fell in love with it. And then I started doing more and more of those Spartan races. So I started kind of traveling around to local uh, races that were around and I, I found myself losing weight by training and getting better in physical, better physical shape. And then I started meeting people out at these races and, and, and that had similar mindsets. You meet, you know, a lot of veterans that do these kind of races. And, um, you know, what I started to find was not that not only was I kind of given the, 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 the physical side of me, the therapy it needed, but I was also getting the, the, the mental and the relationships, uh, with other people, that brotherhood and sisterhood that, you know, I was kind of missing and, and probably likely craving from my time in the military. I was finding like-minded people that had goals and, and dreams and, and, and were, were pretty much doing the same thing I was doing out here at these races. And so you started developing these friendships and, and started being able to, to practice what we talked about earlier, just those conversations and, and talking to people. And then, uh, and then I'm, I remember by the end of that year, it was 2017 was that first Spartan race. And uh, by the end, December of that year, um, I did a race down in Florida uh, uh, near you know Tampa, Orlando area. And, um, and I did the, it was my first time racing the, what, what the, was called the elite division, which is a lot of guys that are sponsored and, and, and do these things on a regular basis. And, and I ended up finishing the top 20 for both races. One was a beast course, which was about a half marathon uh, race. And then the next day was a sprint, which is like a 5k uh, type race. And I finished in the top 20, both of those days. And I said, you know what, you know, if I really dedicate myself to this, I could probably do something. And so the next year, I only with that type of mindset, call you lazy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Like only if you, I've done all these big things and you're like, only if you really tried, you would do bigger. Like that's a crazy moment to be in. Like to think like, how would I even imagine that being lazy? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I just, uh, and so the next year, 2018, I came back and, and I started really, uh, uh, kind of putting, you know, putting myself, dedicating myself a little bit more to training and eating right and doing all the things that I saw a lot of these other guys and gals doing that do these races. And, and so I I'd started finishing my finishes got a lot better. I started qualifying for, you know, you know, national and, and world championship type races. And, uh, and so, you know, at that point is when I started to pick up, you know, sponsorships, my Instagram started to grow a little bit. So, it, you know, it, it became kind of a, it, 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 it wasn't my full-time job, but it beca- became kind of a, a job, a second job, another, you know, form of, of, uh, work for me after a while, it just became like another career. Uh, and, and to be honest, it, it, this, this one was one that I was more passionate about and definitely more, uh, yeah, juice job and, became, it brought more to the surface of who you are. Exactly. And so, um, so started doing that. And then, uh, like 2019, I, I did, did some more and again, more races and, and qualified for more ra- more championship type races. Then, uh, then 2020 hit and, uh, it was one of those things where races were getting canceled all over the world and nobody was doing anything. And then, um, so I just started, you know, running a lot. I mean, the gyms were closed. Uh, so I just found myself out just running around and then Memorial Day like Forrest Gump. Yeah. I mean, legitimately. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, one day one I just things. got up and I started running and I didn't stop. Didn't stop. <laughs> uh, I remember, um, 
it was Memorial Day of last year. Uh, just to kind of give myself a challenge. Um, I did, let's see, the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, I ran a mile as fast as I could. And I broke the five minute mile for the first time in my life. I ran a four minute, 58 second mile on Saturday, which was awesome. I was excited about that. So the next day I was like, well, let's see. I ran the fastest mile I've ever done in my life. Let's see if I can run the most miles I've ever done in my life. So that Sunday, I ended up doing a 50K, so a little over 30 miles, uh, just, uh, you know, in the neighborhood, just running as far as I can around, you know, town here um, and, and did that in about four hours and 16, 20 minutes, something like that. Um, so pretty competitive time for a 50K time. Uh, so I was like, oh, OK, that, that's, that was a lot of fun, too. And then I came the next day on Monday. I, I did. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Memorial Day Murph. Uh, the Murph exercise. Yeah. So I did Murph that Monday and then completely destroyed myself that whole weekend. But it was, uh, it, it, it kind of, uh, it was something that, that during COVID it was a challenge. And, uh, then I caught the, uh, the ultra running bug and I, I had always sworn to myself, I would never do an ultra race. And October of last year, I ended up doing a, a, a 13 hour, do as many laps around a three mile, four mile trail as you can in 13 hours. And I, did, I finished in second place and ended up doing uh, almost 70 miles in 13 hours. And uh, so obviously I've crossed the finish line after that. And I said, well, what's next? So I ended yeah, up, you had the almost uh, the Olympic uh, gold medal mindset of like, I've reached the top here. What do I do next? Yeah. Yeah. So what's next? So the, ne the next thing became uh, for me, a hundred miles in less than 24 hours. And so I recently three, three or four weeks ago did that at a, at a race where I did 101.25 miles in 22 hours and 30, 29 minutes. And so, uh, so that, that checked that box. And then, uh, this coming September, I'll be traveling out to Africa and going to Tanzania and, and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And we will be attempting what's going to be called the world's highest obstacle course race. So it's a world record where we'll climb Kilimanjaro, go down into the crater, and then do a 100-meter, 10-obstacle obstacle course on top of Kilimanjaro. And then uh, then we'll race down. That up. Like, you've got to, like, live in a completely different world to, like, wake up one day and be like, we're going to do this. And there's going to be other people that do it with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've kind of always got that what's next mentality, I think. Um, and, and after I finished the 100-mile race, I started getting questions about – well, what, what, what's going to be next after that, that, all that. And so now I'm already thinking about what, you know, the Moab 240, which is a 238 mile race out in Utah, uh, maybe doing that next year or something like that. So we'll see. <laughs> and what I want to just highlight because I've talked about it on the podcast, but I want to just highlight, cause you're almost like a perfect poster board for it is how a single hello can change your life. Like I truly believe like one, you're always one hello from changing your life and you're going to miss hundred percent, hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And for you, like you didn't even know that this world even existed until you started asking questions and having better conversations. And you just continue to open yourself up. Like I didn't know that there was this ultra thing in the Moab in Utah, but now I know. And because yeah. of this conversation, like there's so much world and potential we just don't let ourselves feel it or get access to it because we are afraid to say hello. And you mentioned about the brotherhood and having that connection, like on the other side and craving it. Like we often, we know what it means to be a part of a unit in the military, but we really don't know why it's important. They don't really do a good job. Like saying, this is an important life skill for you to recreate on the other side, 
because for millennia, we've been doing life together as a community and you should never try to figure out how to do it alone. And there's, there's a reason why biologically we've always done life together with other people in a community because you, your life's going to give you more than you can handle. And you need to be able to share that load when it happens. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so the other thing I've done since, since I've, uh, uh, you know, gone through everything I've gone through since I got out of the military and then gone through the separation and everything was I started uh, up until last year, obviously started traveling a little bit more and, and, and getting out and not doing like sandals resorts type trips, but uh, you know, doing things with a, uh, with an organization called wine to water where I've been to the Amazon jungle a couple years ago. And then we went to Nepal uh, back in 2019 and kind of what you're alluding to, you talk about, you know, you know, people doing, you know, people in community for, for years and years and years. When I was in the Amazon jungle, uh, we were, you know, disconnected from the world. It was the greatest 10 days of my life, completely disconnected. We're in a village in the Amazon, right off the Amazon river. Um, and, and I remember talking to one of the villagers there, a female, and she, you know, we asked her, you know, very simple life, you know, not much to speak of when you talk about material things. And we asked her, you know, if there's anything you could have had have in this world to make your life better, what would it be? And she said, nothing. I have everything I need. And what she was really referring to was that sense of community she had. When you looked around that community, all they were all bought in to helping each other and making sure each one of them, each one, each member of that community survived and was able to have everything they needed to, you know, raise their children, you know, you know, do everything they need. Uh, it was just one of those amazing things, experiences that when I came back home, it's much like, you know, when you come back home from a deployment, you look around, you, you wonder you what, you know, see life the way that you've seen it. And it's like exactly you wake up. You're like, I mean, I know when I coach dads, I'll tell them like, Hey, look over here. And then they're like, wow, was it always this? It looks like a frat party was in here last night. <laughs> and you don't really realize that because you're walking around with blinders on. But then the moment someone says like that, when you go down there and you see all that, you're like, you just, you witness more of what people are holding back in life because you know what really is capable, you're capable of, especially even just all the stuff you've done. Like I feel lazy just here sitting here listening to it. And the one question I was thinking though, as I think it is almost probably your kryptonite, how do you slow down to be dad? Because dad is a moment by moment thing that you can't really think, do like what's next because it's not about you, it's about them. So how does that convert as a dad? Yeah, so... Um the the biggest piece of advice that I've gotten uh, from from other dads is to be present. Like in the moment you have your children, be present with them. Don't you know? Don't have your phone. You know. Don't be on stuck on Instagram. Uh, you know. Don't you know? When when you have your child, be with your child. And so for me, it's you know she has school. She she has her time with her mother as well. So that gives me opportunities to go out and train and do the things that I, I need to do. But when I have my daughter, like it's, it's my daughter time. Like I, I, I can probably count on less than one hand. <laughs> so like two, you know, probably two or three nights that I've ever asked my, my mom and dad uh, to watch my daughter or, or have somebody babysit her. It's just, I, I value that time too much with her. And so that, so, so I think that's the big thing for me is just being present when I do have her and, and being able to be attentive to her needs and, and talk about what, you know, she's experienced in her life and then try to share, you know, you know, my, any pearls of wisdom that I have with her. I mean, she's only six at this time, but she's, 
she's watching and, and kids watch, you know, watch and learn by what you're doing. And so, um, you know, I try to be that good example and, you know, and, and I try to listen to her and let her have feedback and, 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 and talk through things with me. And, and, and so I just try to do that as much as I can. And, and so I'm, I, that those are the moments where I do definitely slow down and just, uh, kind of enjoy the moment. Was that hard at first, knowing what you were trying to do in the other area, or was it kind of like because you you kind of were in more in control of who you were that like it was easier for you to slow down? Um, I think at that point, like I, I think I'd grown into a point where it was easier for me to slow down. At first, it was definitely difficult trying to balance, trying to go to the gym and train and and work my nine to five and and then be dad on the other side while still trying to really uh, really, really, really focus on myself. You know, I, I think those first couple of years were really difficult of me trying to find myself and what I enjoyed and who I was as a person. And, 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 you know, that, 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 that process of falling in love with myself, those first couple of years were tough because I'm trying to fall in love with myself while still raising my daughter and do all these other things. And then, and then, so I've been, I've been, you know, single for lack of better word for five years now. And I think over that time, it's, it's really just become more of me and her against the world uh, in a lot of ways. And so um, it's, it's much easier now than I think it was at the very beginning uh, when everything kind of started, you know, when, when, when everything hit the fan at the very beginning. (laughs) Yeah. We're definitely in a different time than we were even last year. So I raising two daughters, there's a couple of different things that I often think about. And so mine are six and four. So I've got one that where I'm like at the edge of the R and D lab and the other one at the bottom of the R and D lab. So she kind of gets to experience all the big lessons learned and yeah. just kind of having those conversations. Like I do what I call bedtime talk, where we're just sitting down talking about the day talking about a story, rehashing something that went wrong, rehashing something went right, talking about my story or whatever it is. Cause it like between like six and 10, the playground issues start trying to find popularity on the, and the playground starts like life problems just kind of pick up the pace. Now they're, they're problems, but to them, this is the world. This might as well be no different than you having a pile of emails to do. It's the same amount of anxiety and stress. And I love what you said of just like guiding her moment by moment, because a lot of it for me, when I think of my daughters is just helping them understand how they fit into the world and understanding that their value does not come from likes on Instagram, that no one else needs to give you permission to feel like my single bar- like lowest barrier of success as a dad is if she knows that Instagram does not determine her worth, I've won. Everything else I can get a little bit wrong, but to me, I want that to be 100% right because that is like, I feel like so much where girls go into the world and they look for that external validation and it just messes up the wiring from day one. And it never comes. And if it does, it's usually always in the wrong way. And it ends up going in places you don't want to go. So and the other part you're doing very well is you're actually giving her the model of what a man looks like. And the other idea that I often talk about is the dad at the shotgun at the door is the dad that set the bar low. So like your bar is gonna be extremely high. And while you may not like the first one or the second one she brings home, she'll always come to the logic conclusion like, yeah, this guy's not my dad. He's hitting to the curb. And you just got to trust her because you knew how, how you lived your life, led like self-leadership within yourself. And that she'll look at that model and understand how, what does real masculine love look like? Cause you're the first love she ever had in her life. And she's going to use that to model every other love that she brings into it. Exactly. And, and so that's why, uh, you know, our routine, I, I have her every Friday night and every Friday night is daddy daughter date night. And we always 
she gets to pick the restaurant we go to. She gets to, you know, plan it out and, and we go do it. Uh, we, you know, we go, you know, out to the restaurant. She gets to go look at a menu and pick her a meal out. And then we have the conversations and, you know, I do things. I open the doors for her. I, you know, I, I do the things that I would expect another man to do for my daughter. And, and I want to be that example and i want to be able to provide that example to her and uh and 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 you know i i talk about this as well because uh, you know a lot of single dads are looking to get into relationships and, and what that's going to look like and, and so one thing that i do say for for those dads that are looking to get in relationships is you shouldn't be looking for another mom in most cases i should say um, they already have a mother. You need to be treating her mother well or their mother well. Because mm-hmm. that relationship that is really- just a model of an example of like, she's still the mother of your child and she's going to look for that example. And yeah, that's yeah. important too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that relationship, I mean, being able to uh, still have that relationship and be adult about it um, and not, you know, I see a lot of childish, you know, behavior uh, between a lot of parents in most cases after splits and, and it gets the child involved and it, it becomes a mess. And, uh, fortunately me and my ex decided, you know, that was not going to be us. And, uh, and we took a very adult approach to the way we were going to, we were going to you know, handle the separation and then the way we were going to co-parent. And so, uh, she knows that I still care for her mother very much and that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure I take care of her mother. Because at the end of the day, if I make sure her mother's all right, and I make sure her mother is taken care of, then that ultimately means I'll have a happier child. Um, you know, I think that's that it's a second and third order effects there that a lot of people I don't, don't think really, uh, you know, think about when, when, when they, when, when they have those relationships and then for, cause they're usually know, digging into the demons of their own past and looking at through a fractured lens and have 1500 cataracts that prevent them from seeing truly what's in front of them versus their own internal BS that you spent that time working through. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, then, then just for future relationships, anything past that, it's for me, it's, it's, I don't need it. I don't need somebody to come in and be mom. I need somebody who's going to come in and be another strong female role model for my daughter. Um, it's another strong example for my daughter and then be somebody that I can show my daughter what a loving relationship looks like on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, how a man should treat a woman and, and, and what love that, what, what that kind of love looks like. Um, so that's really, I think the kind of things that, 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 you know, I, my expectations for future type stuff looks like, uh, with in regards to relationships and, and the way, um, she's going to view them. Um, so it's, 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 it's a lot there to think about and work through, but I've had five years to do it. <laughs> and you know what, when you say five years, uh, the part that like hits me as well. So I'm 36. And when I had that question, I was 30. When I think of all the things that I've done in only six years of my life, it almost, I don't believe it myself. Like, I'm sure you don't believe it either. Like to go back and think like, man, how could, how could that all that happen in just a short five years? But then you also realize when your kids grow up, you're like, how did this happen in six years? Yeah. How did my daughter go from this to that? And like, I thought we were just in diapers. Like, when did someone yeah. turn the lights on? And like, now with some completely different stage that we often we think like there's this permanence to the feelings that we feel, but it's really not. In a short amount of time, you can make some big exponential changes and be a completely better, not different, but better version of yourself. And I mean, I've heard it said that the uh, idea within marriage is you want to be the version of yourself you could live with the rest of your life. If you focus on that journey, you'll usually end up in the right spot. I agree wholeheartedly. Yep. 
Well, Jason, this interview has been absolutely just as good as I anticipated when I was checking out your Instagram. So you did not disappoint. Whereas people can go ahead and find you and follow what you're doing with your what you got going for running going on. Yeah, yeah. So my Instagram is at J Floyd Wood. So J F L O Y D W O O D. Um, so that's primarily what I use and uh, for everything. I don't have really any of the the Twitters or uh, tickety talks or any of the, those kind of things. I just kind of deal on Instagram uh, at the moment. I try to grow up. I feel like it's hard going on TikTok. Like I, I have a hard time just even sitting there watching it, figuring out what I could do on TikTok. <laughs> like I. I just feel like, well, that's 15 minutes I'm ever getting back in my life and it's gone. Like, oh, I feel yeah. bad contributing to it if I were to try to create a TikTok. No, I, yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, my daughter's at the stage. She's six now and she wants a TikTok and it's like, ah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but that's, that's definitely where you we'll can practice doing me. Instagram reels, which is in my domain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, Jason, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I know this episode is going to bring a lot of dads home because we hit into some big, deep areas. And I hope I can catch up on the running component because that's been something I've been working at. But now I feel lazy and not moving fast enough. So I definitely need to pick up the pace. Oh, sounds good. I really appreciate you having me. And uh, it was a great conversation. And uh, really, really, uh, I look forward to, to continuing our friendship. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You might have heard that my voice sounds a little bit different today. It actually worked out for a great sponsorship because I feel like my good baritone voice really brought the heat on that sponsor in the beginning. But I unloaded hay with my dad for the last five days on the farm, and that always messes with my allergies. And we've also got a cold going around the house right as school wraps up and summer begins. So not the best thing to have. But nevertheless, that is how the cookie crumbled in my life, and I'm making the best of it. And you got a good sponsorship, low baritone voice out of this episode, which I normally have, but I feel like this episode really allowed it to come home. This episode really, really, really taught me a big, giant lesson. that We have to be hungry. We have to really be hungry to create the change in our life that we really want. When you hear what Jason was able to do through the pit that he was standing in, the pile of shit that he was sitting in, all of that. He rewired his life to something that I actually can't even really fathom what his life looks like on a given week because he's living a level that I can't even imagine. While getting this episode ready, I had to Google Spartan races. I'm like, is there a Spartan race? Because I feel like I got to get in this race and do. And it was actually something I was going to do about two years ago, but the world didn't work out the way that it needed to. And now I'm like, I wonder if this is the sign that I need to bring this back in my life in 2021. So I'll keep you posted if I find a way to make that work and how I can get it to make happen. But this episode just taught me how much you can really get when you really ask the hard questions and do the real work. You might have listened to this episode and felt like lazy like I did and been like, man, I am just not asking big enough questions. I am not meeting big enough people and I'm not inspiring a big enough change inside my life. And I hope that this episode really cracked it wide open to get you to ask better questions, to get you to look for bigger answers and figure out how can you be that answer in many cases for someone or even yourself and show up how you're showing up for your kids. Like, I mean, this episode painted it in a great way of when you really execute where you think you can execute, you can do big things. And if you think you can and you think you can't, you're both right, as Henry Ford said. And I think that this episode and that quote go hand in hand. Because where you think you can go is really limitless. And Jason Wood's story really paints that picture of no matter where your story is and how it's unfolded, 
you can take it anywhere and the only person stopping you is you so guys that is this week's episode i hope it helped you just as much as it helped me and i'll see you on friday